Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is WrestleWolf. I am Damian Gibson, and this is Reconsidering WCW Nitro. And joining me each week to go through the mayhem that is WCW Nitro. It's the it's the enigma. It's the mystery. It's Matthew. Hello. Hey, man. I'm excited to do this. <laughs> yeah, I um, I because we're recording it different. You know, with the AEW podcast, we record every week, right? And it's quite sort of we're quite militant, regimented with it. But we're sort of recording different at different times with Nitro, which is good for both of us. But it just means that you're watching them at weird times. So I don't know if you're finding that, but I am just sort of like when I can cram them in, and then I find each time I have to go and watch them just before we record because even though I take notes, I look at my notes and I'm like, what? We'll get. Look, there's a part later on in this episode where <laughs> it's because Nitro makes no sense. Not that I don't make any sense. Well, we'll, we'll see that uh, and and decide by the end of the episode whether that which is the case. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> um, now. We're right off the we're right off the back of uh, Fall Brawl '95. Um, that episode is in the feed if you want to go and listen to it. Uh, it's slightly no, it was probably about the the same amount of time as m- most episodes. We kind of got through it fairly quickly, didn't we? Well, not uh, not all that much actually happened in Fall Brawl '1995. The status no. quo remains, other no, than the well, giant sort of being slightly more visible. Yeah, it's all it's all about the giant at the moment, um, which means that it's all about the Hulk, because um, of course it is. It's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. We start so on the back of Fall Brawl, where the giant has come down and snapped Hulk Hogan's neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the opening segment on uh, on this um, episode of Nitro is uh, the giant. Mean Gene is outside. Eric Bischoff introduces the show. He says something's happening at the back. We cut to Mean Gene and an ambulance is backing back towards Mean Gene. It stops and out pops the Taskmaster and the Giant, who 
who's I got a few questions and then I'll throw it over to you. Who's driving the ambulance? Like, is it Zodiac or someone? A paramedic, I believe, is the answer to that. (laughs) But why would they be wasting their time? Like, did Taskmaster and Giant go to these paramedics and say, if you don't let us sit here until the right moment and then drive us back two metres, we're going to kill your family? Or did they pay them off? I think the giant is such a threatening figure. Like he might have, you know, just outside the ambulance station. I'm not a paramedic in real life, um, just to be clear. My knowledge of, of what these people do and where and how they work is limited. But outside the ambulance house, uh, the paramedic was off duty going to his bike. The uh, giant ran over it in his uh, monster truck popped out and was like, I'll kill you if you don't uh, help me do this little bit of smoke and mirrors theatre. <laughs> That's what I imagine happened. Well, what I also love about this segment is the way the giant talks. So for anyone who doesn't for anyone who doesn't know, the giant is the big show on WWE now. He eventually, you know, turns into the big show. Um and like I love the like the eighties heel like voice that he's doing where it's like down here and Hogan like it's it's so cartoonish and over the top but I I kind of feel like wrestling now misses a lot of this like it's yeah it's obvious and it's Saturday morning sort of cartoon but I I think wrestling needs more (laughs) I can't believe I'm gonna say this but I think wrestling needs more of this like it's, you know, the lines between good and evil are very delineated and I think that's needed. I don't know about you. But... Uh, potentially just as a um, shameless grab for the affection of the listeners, I'm going to fully side with the fact that wrestling does not need more 1995 WCW. It has an <laughs> adequate amount and it certainly doesn't need any rookie big show. No, no, no. I liked it. Um, besides the, you know, huge logic, uh, holes in, you know, the, <laughs> around how they got the ambulance and all that sort of thing, essentially, uh, they, they're just sort of, um, boasting about what they did to Hulk Hogan the night before. Yeah. It's just um, a little bit, a little bit of theater, a little bit of mind manipulate, you know, that's the taskmaster's thing. He's got dead flowers and he's like. You know, picking off the, the 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 flower petals. God, it took me a while to get there. Um, mm. You know, like he's a, he's a master of manipulation. This is just this must just be like destroying Hulk Hogan's brain. Well, yeah, I mean, it does. Uh, well, it does eventually, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, next up, we have like this. So much is going on. So there's a tag team match. Uh, between the Blue Bloods and the American Males. American Males is spelt with a Z. And the, right? the song is is just a very high-pitched, sort of almost Cindy Lauper-esque person uh, singing mm. American Males again and again and again and again, <laughs> if you were in any doubt of the fact. Like, it's, it's like when Shawn Michaels comes out and you sort of look at him and you're like, wow, he's not a very good-looking... Oh, no, he apparently is quite a sexy boy. Boy? Hmm. Okay, sure. 
that 50 year old man with the face that doesn't move anymore um, due to wow. serious head yeah. trauma is the sexy boy. Why not? <laughs> no, not not now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, oh. early 90s. I'm so happy that uh, we're six minutes into the podcast and you're defending how attractive Shawn Michaels was in the 90s. <laughs> that's because i'm a giant wwf stan you know i like, can't help myself like I shut up to... matt he was handsome <laughs> i don't go to war with other wrestling channels about particular booking decisions um <clears throat> anyway <laughs> uh so as the Blue Bloods are coming out, one of the Blue Bloods is coming out, not even the one the one that no one remembers. William Regal is already um now this is something that we probably need to clarify. He's not William is he William Regal? He's WCW? St- Lord Stephen Regal in Stephen WCW. Right, okay. <laughs> so he's already been attacked by Harlem Heat for some reason. And and the um, other blue blood is Bobby Eaton. Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. I didn't put two and two together that it's that. It's been a long day. It's um, a, and <laughs> by, by 1995 for Bobby Eaton, who I think debuted in the mid-70s, it had been a long career. Mm. That is a long career. Um, why? <clears throat> so essentially, Harlem Heat knocks these guys out. They, they go to the ring and then they confront the American males even though Harlem Heat won the titles the night before. I think this is cool. And say, we should be in this match against you guys. Fight us now. Well, they they sort of say, like, it, it's not so much as, like, we deserve to fight you. It's more like, we want to fight. We're the champions now. We do whatever we want, and we want to fight. Let's mm. go. Like, Was they, that conveyed? I don't know if that was conveyed as well as it could have been. As a rule, nothing for the next nine months is going to be as conveyed as well as it could be. <laughs> That's, I realised how dumb that question was as soon as it like, left my mouth. <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? But it was enjoyable, um, I thought. Obviously, you, you had a different, different... No, I didn't hate it. I was just like, maybe I'm so conditioned to sort of boring tropes that I was like, oh, this is different. I don't get it. Um, because yeah, like fighting champions, this is a good way of showing that they're fighting champions, right? And and also um, logically, you know, if you're booked, if you wrestle, you get paid more. Yeah, that's true. So that, you know, that doesn't get that. Definitely does not. That is, that is not even subtext. That is something they could have used that they absolutely didn't. Yeah, but it, I mean, it just doesn't get used now. At all, either. Like, no. it's just not even spoken about, which, I don't know. Anyway, that's that's the state of wrestling today. We could do a whole 15,000-part series about that. Um, I I felt like you got a real insight into what would become Buff Bagwell just by the spelling of American males with a Z or a Z, depending <laughs> on where you are in the world. Um, Harlem Heat look like stars here as well. Like, it seems like they're very, I'm not sure of their timeline in WCW. I don't know how long they've been in WCW at this stage, but it feels like it's pretty, they're pretty fresh. Yeah. I was getting a push. And you can see why, I mean, even Stevie, like Stevie Ray looks good, but you can see why Booker T goes on to be Booker T. Yeah, he's fantastic. 
Um, they look like stars, but that doesn't matter because just when uh, Sister Sherry was about to intervene and help uh, the Heat get the, the win, the continuing love story that is the Colonel and <laughs> Sherry goes on. The Colonel comes out, uh, just stands next to the apron. Sherry just falls off it like she's been struck by Cupid's arrow, Matthew and then falls into into the colonel's arms and they start passion on and he carries her back to the locker rooms for God knows what. I don't want to know. Um, and then the American males get the win with a surprise roll-up with a Paul Smackage, as Christian would say, and they're the tag team champs. This was a disappointing <laughs> outcome and not the best work of Sherry Martel. No. The Colonel and Sherry thing is like, I can't be a hypocrite because I do love those kind of storylines. Like the soapy storylines are something that I call for all the time. Uh, the Otis and Mandy one that's happened over the last 12 months I've really loved, so I can't be like, I hate these storylines as a rule, but... There seems to be, like, there's some real days of our life stuff going on here. There's amnesia. There's, like, you know, <laughs> it's just, she she just fell off the apron, right? I didn't miss anything. She just, like, turned around, saw it was the colonel, and just jumped into his arms. You know? Yeah, that's absolutely what happened. Right. Uh... <laughs> but this is not, I assume there's going to be a continuing story here between, oh, well, I shouldn't assume anything, but you would think that there would be a program between the Heat and American males um, moving forward, surely. There'd have to be at least a rematch. I hope there's a rematch, and I hope they win. Uh, but it, uh, it doesn't, it's not, you wouldn't be happy if you were Harlem Heat. No, because you didn't have to do that. Um, which made, I think it went from being like sort of quite cool that they're coming out and wanting to, to fight mm. uh, to being not really cool and sort of making them look really stupid. Cause I'm not even sure why they were distracted by Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker. No, cause it didn't really cause a distraction to the match. Those guys kept wrestling. It's not, yeah. It, I don't know, man. It, it, the, the whole thing. If like if Harlem Heat came out, demanded to fight because they're fighting champions and then just like killed the American males, and then you could still have this Colonel and Sherry stuff going on if you really wanted mm. to. Um that makes way more sense. You know? Can I uh can I are you are you gonna be upset if I give you a very slight spoiler about a, a, this particular relationship? Uh it's, it's really no. slight. No, 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 keep, no. So we are currently in, what's the date of these nitros? Uh, this one is the 18th of the 9th, 1995. So this actually is going to keep going till October 1996, this storyline. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I was, I was Wikipedia-ing Sherry Martel, and I was like, no, it can't. There's no way. There is absolutely no way, but this story uh, is going to keep going. Um, anyway, I, I won't say what happens because I don't actually know, but I look forward to the next year and a month. 
Oh my god. I kind of am as well. I mean, like, it, it's the stupid parts of wrestling that have always attracted me to it. Even, like, as a kid, I knew that this was weird and dumb, probably because my mum and dad were so appalled that I got into wrestling. <laughs> Two very intelligent people who have always done everything they possibly could to make me as educated and, and a well-rounded young man as possible, and I just throw it all back in their face and say, I like wrestling and rock music. <laughs> <laughs> but I it's the dumb stuff with wrestling that I, I... I mean, you know this through us just chatting all the time. It is the sort of more cartoonish, weird stuff that, that happens um, that I really appreciate. So I, I'm looking forward to more of that. Well, you're going to get it. Um, whether you <laughs> were looking forward to it like you are or like me... Slightly dreading it. Um, yeah, I'm probably not speaking on behalf of everybody when I say that. <laughs> um, next up, we've got Macho Man's first Slim Jim ad that we'll see heaps of going forward. Um, Slim Jims are a pure American snack, I'm pretty sure. I don't I don't think I've seen them anywhere else I... in my travels. They don't, they don't exist in Australia, right? No, and I wonder if... Um... They had some kind of contract that was like basically in perpetuity uh, on reruns of WCW. You can't cut out uh, the Slim Jims uh, commercials because, like, it's it's yeah. weird. Like, even like, but the ads are part of the program, aren't they? That's like, that yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you'd contract. think like. WWE now are not like getting paid by Slim Jims to have Slim Jim ads in their on their network, but that's what these essentially are. And like maybe they're just there because they're part of the program, and they're you know everyone has historical memories of you know for us in Australia, Macho Man trying to sell us things that don't exist that we couldn't buy even mm. if we wanted to. And I did. I, I wanted to eat a Slim Jim so bad. And then sort of like working out like, oh, it's like it's like meat. It's like dried. It's like dried meat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've really you've really sold that to people. I'm surprised they don't they they haven't asked you specifically <laughs> to sell Slim Jims now. It's dried yeah. meat. There's a reason why I don't work in sales anymore, Matt, and that you just heard it there. Uh, I can't lie. Uh, it, it, just, it sounds so gross. Because um, <laughs> when I was a kid watching, I just assumed they were like lollies, like like a red rope licorice or something. Yeah. Well, they don't. Before I actually saw the ads and then he's talking about spiced beef and Stuff like that, and I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> no thanks." <laughs> um, but we'll see so many more of these. It's um, it's not funny. But this brought because um, Macho Man had this contract prior to going to the WCW, and um, so I don't know whether those ads aired on WWE programming or WWF programming as well. Mm. So I believe um, they did. So I believe there was some. Basically, Macho Man's contract, WCW got the money from the Slim Jims thing and essentially like his contract was paid for by Slim Jims. At least that's what Eric Bischoff says. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's, that was my understanding as well. Um, so, yeah. Which is that's fascinating. Much, 
it is. But we'll <laughs> but we'll move uh, we'll move on to what is the hottest double act in WCW at the moment. Uh, Ric Flair is being interviewed by Mean Gene uh, back in the ring, um, and we're still talking about the the Arn Anderson Ric Flair story is ongoing. Um, so at Fall Brawl, Arn Anderson got the win over Ric Flair uh, with interference from Brian Pillman. Um, is Rick the face now, Matt? And I've missed that. Uh, I believe at this point he's now the face. Uh, right. Given that, you know, Arn used underhanded tactics to defeat him. Right. But, <laughs> okay. I don't know whether I'm missing this stuff or... Because, I mean, there is a, there is a promo later on with Arn and Brian where they sort of, you know, laugh and maniacally and go, <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we, we're definitely a team. But that was never, you know, that was never portrayed during the pay-per-view or before the pay-per-view and it hasn't been explained before Rick comes out and does this promo. <laughs> so it's just, and they... Rick does his promo first. Surely it would make sense for Arn and Brian to come out and go, <laughs> and then Rick comes out. Yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. There's a lot of there's WCW is actually built though on uh, assumptions, like the whole yeah. Macho Man Lex Luger story. Like Hulk, there's they like the next year is going to be a series of people assuming things, assuming the worst about other people, and then attacking them about it. <laughs> but then us as an audience, there's a whole we're we're kind of. Um, I'm finding it really interesting watching it through the lens of like you know not remembering pretty much anything besides the characters and a few big sort of story beats and stuff that I had to put this together for myself and then it was confirmed to me later on in the episode it's like <laughs> oh hang on the way Rick is acting it's like he's the face but before this match at Fall Brawl he was very much the heel you want to be treated like an idiot, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying storytelling has to be, uh, well, I was going to say linear, but that's not correct. But it needs to make sense. I need to be given the information. Like, See, there if- you go, say uh, storytelling has to make sense. No, it doesn't, because WCW <laughs> are proving you wrong. <laughs> but I can't, if I don't know what has happened to make Ric Flair, to make me want Ric Flair to win, then why would I want Ric Flair to win? Because he's Ric Flair. It's great to see him win. <laughs> uh, anyway, I love it. He, um, Rick swears in the uh, promo, and I had I can't remember exactly. Did he say "son of a bitch"? No, he says like "cunt." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Mean Gene says uh, "off mic" in inverted commas. Uh, you can't say that on air. It's just as they're like cutting away from the promo. I love the little. Uh, you know, as AJ Styles once famously said, it's all about the little things. And, um, you know, Mean Gene is the master of that, of filling it. There's There are people who are brilliant at that. Uh, you know, Bobby the Brain Heenan is one. Mean Gene is one. Um, you know, JR can be good at it when he can be asked. Um, you know, when they 
they see a gap in logic or just something that's a little sort of flourish to help, you know, and him doing that off mic I thought was was brilliant. Uh, next up, we, we had a quick advertisement for WCW uh, Saturday Night is advertised. Um, on the last episode we did, you had done some research on some of the wrestlers who popped up on that. Was there anyone that caught your eye on, on this week or nope. was it pretty? No. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little hint. Uh, I didn't do the same level of research this time. Okay. No, that's fair enough. I don't think there was. I think the problem was it was it was Craig Pittman, and I don't care. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get to him eventually, anyway. Um, but yeah, um, let's not waste our time and the listeners' time, you know, filling their heads with information about Craig Pittman that could be used <laughs> for I don't know how to do CPR or something, you know, like. Um, now. Next up is my second favorite part of the night, and I want to talk about this so much. Porn, uh, Paul, porn, Paul. <laughs> I just want to talk about porn. Uh, there's a swerve for you, kids. Um, Paul Orndorff is uh, heading. He at Fall Brawl. He he had a meeting with uh, Jerry Spivey, who is a clairvoyant, uh, a um. Give me some other words here, Matthew. He's a for... spiritual healer, a, a motivational yeah. fellow. <laughs> yeah, the perfect things, man. And um, so Paul Orndorff has, again, this is another situation where I was like, hang on, did Paul Horn? I, I thought Orndorff had like just got his mojo back after speaking to Spivey, but he's turned him into a heel. Uh, he is, <laughs> he's... Uh, staring at himself at a little vanity mirror that looks like it's been taken out of like a young girl's playset, um, and he has a new theme that is the most amazing wrestling theme I've ever heard in my whole entire life. Not, I mean, I'm saying this with pure irony. It is so awful. It sounds like it's from South Pacific or something. Um, there's just a sort of crooner crooning the words Mr. Wonderful or it's Mr. Wonderful. And just when you think it's about to stop, it starts again. <laughs> then a female voice comes in and sings the same thing. I'm going to try and track down this theme and put it at the end of the episode so people can hear it. Uh, I don't like Paul Orndorff. No, it's not good, is it? It's it's not. I don't have the. Uh, I don't really have an attachment to eighties WWF. So this is my knowledge of Paul Orndorff, and it sucks. Um, it was so has he been hypnotized by Jerry Spivey to? Oh, you you're reading. You, so like, like you think this is an ongoing Jerry Spivey related? Uh... Well, <laughs> what am I meant to think? He had a meeting with Jerry Spivey who just kept saying the same thing over and over to him, which is like, you're Mr. Wonderful. I am Mr. Wonderful. You're Mr. Wonderful. I am Mr. Wonderful. And now he's like, he can't stop. And he was looking in a mirror, remember? Now he can't stop looking into the mirror, into a mirror. And now he's completely up himself. That's his whole like heel turn. thing. You know what I suspect is going to happen? He's going to have six months to seven months more of sort of occasionally popping up, uh, just sort of being random name that people know, and then he's going to go off into obscurity when Scott Hall enters the company. What? 
Who? <laughs> he's Razor Ramon. He's currently uh Oh, Razor Ramon, I know, yeah. I don't know <laughs> what characters are you talking about? <laughs> um we were talking for a bit that we were going to actually do this podcast as if it was 1995, and we just got an insight into how difficult, like how we've fallen down at the first hurdle. <laughs> it would have been unimaginably stupid to do that, and I'm glad we didn't. If- yeah. We, we were very excited about it for like a week, and then mm. both of us came to our senses like, dude, this is too much. We're not going to be on. <laughs> so instead we did something sensible, like agreed to watch six years of Nitro. I'm not regretting it yet, but I feel like (laughs) at some point (laughs) I will. He's got a match against Johnny B. Bad. Again, I don't see what everyone, I don't see how Johnny B. Bad is a a punchline. You know, like I can see that, like, he's not like the best, but he's perfectly serviceable. Don't don't you think? Or Uh, I think these podcasts are increasingly becoming like a. You know, Johnny B. Good, the Damien Gibson reimagining of uh, the mid nineties. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying he's amazing. I just don't think. I think I've seen a lot worse wrestlers than him. Is what I'm saying. It's like you know, on uh, like JR's podcast, you're going to hear like a lot of whinging about like people jumping <laughs> off the top rope, and here you're going to be like, I don't know Huge. why, uh, blank imaginary person has a problem. <laughs> With Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> I've just heard a lot of crap about him. Um, You're jo- a true uh, contrarian. Johnny, I'm not. <laughs> Johnny B. Bad has uh, um, nine stitches in his eye, is what uh, the storyline is here. So so his, his cornea has been stitched back together. Is that what the guys on commentary are saying? I believe so. Right. I'm not. A, I'm not a medical professional, as I've as I've previously said in this episode. <laughs> this match has one of the. Although you know, I just spent five minutes defending both of these guys. Uh, this match has one of the worst spots I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's when uh, Bad goes up to the the corner top rope to do. He does this sort of like double axe handle off the top rope sort of thing, um, and Orndorff sticks his feet up to like reverse it but bad like comes down so gently and then kind of just places his chin onto Orndorff's feet <laughs> and then does this over dramatic selling of it it's just horrendous uh if i was young and hip and knew how to make memes i would make a meme of it i <laughs> don't know how to do that um yeah and so also i don't know if you noticed this that one of the cameras one of the camera shots it felt like they were filming it on a Super Eight. Did you? I did I you? can I paid so little attention to this match. I've got to be honest. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, Orndorff got yeah. Orndorff gets a win uh, by sitting on Bad's head. Um, I don't know if you even paid attention to. <laughs> I did. I paid attention to that, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> um, again, like it's it's one of those moves where it's like. Well, if you can do that, why doesn't everyone do that in wrestling all the time? Just drop to your knees and stick <laughs> sticky crutch in your opponent's face and get a win. It makes no sense. 
Anyway, I love Paul Orndorff and Johnny B. Bad, and I'll be rooting for both of them <laughs> as they both make their way to the top of the Nitro card. Um, coming up next, we have maybe possibly one of the greatest segments I've ever seen in wrestling. Uh, Eric Bischoff announces that during the week, <laughs> some of the WCW roster uh, were invited to Baywatch, the set of Baywatch. Now, uh, man, I already have so many questions, but let me just let me just lay out what happens, and then we can rap about it. Right? <laughs> so we cut to a scene on the beach. There's not anyone that I recognise from watching Baywatch, which uh, in 1995 I was 15 years old, so I was watching a lot of Baywatch, and uh, or as much as I could get my eyes on, and I I couldn't see any Nicole Eggert. I couldn't see any David Hasselhoff. These were all very bit players in the background wearing the Baywatch outfits. While Macho Man's just pumping weight on the on the beach, there's there's a one piece of gym equipment on the beach for some reason. Um, he then all of a sudden out of nowhere, and they're all cheering Macho Man on. Uh, five more Macho Man, you can do it. The Tarsmaster comes out of nowhere, who's wearing his red. Uh, tights that he wears um, everywhere except in the ring and a Baywatch jacket I just love that little detail that he's like wearing a Baywatch jacket he comes over grabs the weights and basically tries to choke Macho Man with it Um, they have like a little bit of a wrestle and then Ric Flair so casually comes over and is a bit like hey don't do that and then (laughs) They sort of come over, rip the Taskmaster off, um, and then that's pretty much the end of the the sketch, right? So, so I felt that this was like a, I think there was a lot of like weird, like hearkenings to things that would happen later, really successfully in this episode. Like, you know, opening the show by being like something's happening backstage is like a trope of later nitros, and. Yeah. Uh, then having this, which is like supposed to be, I guess, like it's, they're all a little bit out of character, like, but it's it's just so like it's supposed to be a bit more reality based, except for the fact that he's pumping iron on a beach while junior stars of TV's Baywatch cheer him on, <laughs> and then Ric Flair, like what Ric Flair says, Ric Flair runs up in light pink underpants and a tank top. And he's like, oh, come on, his devil. wrestling boots on. But he also has his wrestling boots on, on the beach. Just wanted to point that out. And he keeps yelling like, come on, devil. That's enough, man. Come on, devil. And then, like, when Kevin Sullivan goes, he goes, man, the devil's lost it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there is subtext here. I don't want to know it, but there is. <laughs> Um, and so, so I've got a whole bunch of questions. One is Baywatch part of like, is this, is Baywatch the show part of WCW kayfabe? Like, are they, do they share a universe like Batman and Superman or is this very much like, no, WCW is its own thing and they just went to the set of a TV show or could David Hasselhoff, I think it's like Mitch. Mitch something, I can't remember his second name on the show, um, 
could he come and become a wrestler in WCW Nitro if he wanted? Well, so they were in the episode. But the the, the wrestlers. So they were in an episode of Baywatch. So I'm assuming uh-huh. there is like so this is what the episodes describe. This is the the stuff I did look up. Uh Hulk Hogan and Randy Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and the Baywatch lifeguards team up to battle Ric Flair and Big Van Vader in order to save a youth centre from being closed and turned into beachfront condos. <laughs> Meanwhile, Stephanie well, is devastated when she learns she has melanoma. That's unrelated to... Oh, well, yeah, and that's definitely the B story. Um, I love how... <laughs> that. I mean, Vader was known for being a slumlord, essentially. I don't and, know if you know that. Name, and but. when this aired, Vader was actually in the WWF at this point. When like Vader goes AWOL, he's he's gone over to Stanford. Like he's he's oh, in New York. Like this is what's right. happening. Right, 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 right. Man, it's so fascinating. It, it it is a real time capsule. Like it, it just uh, all the all the little member berries were just going crazy when mm. I was watching. This. I was like, oh. I'm, Baywatch, WCW, Nitro, God, there's so much trash, like all in the one place at the same time. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. And it was um, sort of uh, apparently the episode was designed to promote Bash at the Beach, uh, Bash at the Beach, but happened right. but aired after it. So the 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 episode at this point is still four months from airing. Oh right. Well, maybe maybe it'll help advertise next year's Bash at the Beach. It won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> love that delivery. <laughs> it won't. <laughs> um, so then we cut back to the ring. Mean Gene is getting an absolute workout this evening. He's back in the ring, uh, and he's interviewing uh, the Macho Man. Uh, and Macho's pissed off. He tells Rick, uh, Rick Flair he can piss off. He doesn't need his help, which I thought was pretty ungrateful from the Macho Man, <laughs> seeing we just watched video footage of Rick Flair helping him out. Uh, he says um, that he loves the Hulkster and there's no one tougher than the Hulkster, but he is a terrible judge of character uh, because uh, Lex Luger gave him a cheap shot in the uh, War Games match at Fall Brawl the night before. Um, also, when did all of this happen? Because the pay-per-view happened the day before. So when did they, they, they went to Baywatch like during the day? Um, yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, fine. Um, and then Kevin Sullivan had to duck off really quickly to go and get an ambulance with the giant so they could... <laughs> <laughs> so they can start the show. Um, <laughs> he calls out, uh, Macho Man calls out Lex Luger and then starts saying that him and Sting are part of the Dungeon of Doom. And I was like, hello, what's going on here? And then here he is, it's Lex, and it looks like he wants to ruin a promo, uh, but he doesn't. He uh, he, rises, he raises actually a pretty good question, and Macho Man says as much, that uh, don't you have your own personal agenda? Don't you want to be world champion? Uh, and take the belt off the Hulkster, and the Macho Man's like, you raise a good point, Lex Luger. Um, 
which sounds so weird coming out of his mouth with that voice, like with his yeah. macho man voice being reasonable. It's like, no, oh, that's weird. And he's very, very clear earlier on that nobody is stronger than Hulk Hogan. Macho yeah. man is. He's, he's very clear <laughs> to make sure that they know that Hulk Hogan is the best and coolest and most important character. Yeah, because uh, what do we always say, Matt? When Hulk isn't on the screen, we want the audience to be thinking, where's the Hulkster? <laughs> uh, Macho Man wants to go right there. Like, he's losing it. Uh, mean G manages to restore some order, uh, but not before Macho Man gets a slap in. It feels like they had to, like, paddle this out a little bit until they could get to the ad break, and so Macho Man just slaps Lex Luger across the face. <laughs> After yelling don't... that uh, you want to take on the big boys, there's no bigger boy than the Macho Man. <laughs> That's right. They spend about what feels like 12 minutes just saying the words big boys to each other. And how Lex Luger's sick and tired of playing with kids. Yeah, he um... says it again. This is the... <laughs> That's the second time in three weeks where he's like, I'm sick of playing with kids. I'm here to take on the big boys. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Which is not better. It's It's not (laughs) big big boys is just as bad. Um, Also, but yeah, weird for Macho Man to say that there's no bigger boy than the Macho Man. One, because he is a balding middle-aged man. And two, because there are bigger people like Lex Luger is bigger than the Macho Man. Standing in front of him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I mean, Mean Gene isn't that far off Macho Man. <laughs> uh, but I just like, I loved how like they were getting to the ad break. You feel like they had to, because Macho Man like goes over to him with his fist raised, but they obviously can't fight because they're going to fight next week. And so like, it just looks lame. Macho Man realizes this. So on the fly, just like slaps Lex across the face <laughs> And it's obvious that it is completely unscripted and completely unexpected because Lex Luger almost corpses in the ring. Like they start, they start sort of circling each other, and Lex Luger's doing that, like, "Oh yeah," but you can tell he's so close to just laughing because he wasn't <laughs> expecting to get slapped in the face like that. Oh man, it made me laugh so much. Um, we're at the main event already. This episode is flying, um, and it's. Uh, Oh no, we missed the. Hang on, was there? Have I missed? No, no, no. No, it, no, it is the yeah. Um, we've got Brian Pillman versus Ric Flair in the main event. Um, this was I really enjoyed watching this match, like just from a wrestling standpoint. But uh, it's pretty obvious that Pillman is turning heel. But again, it's not really spelled out. Um, he's like laughing at the camera and You're stuff. Like, Where's Johnny B. Bad? Bring him back. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm just I'm just looking for some basic storytelling rules. That's all that's all I'm looking for. Like don't, don't I don't know who to cheer. Which one of these is friends with Johnny B. Bad? Yeah. Who's Johnny B. Bad's mate? Is anyone, is anyone on does uh, do either of these guys like Paul Orndorff? Because that's <laughs> <laughs> that's who I'm rooting for. Um Anyway, he's laughing at the camera and he's using uh, ropes in pin attempts and stuff like that. The commentators do um, what they almost always do on every Nitro that we've covered so far. And they're talking about Hulk Hogan and uh, essentially how, like, the giant has snapped his neck off and they keep bringing up the fact that um, the giant ran over Hulk Hogan's 
motorbike. That's a big story beat that they're trying to hit. Hmm. Uh, but they're paying no attention to this match whatsoever. Um, and eventually Pillman taps out to a figure four, which is all pretty standard WCW Monday Night Nitro. Yep. It it, it was, I guess, disappointing because you sort of, you see Pillman versus Flair and think, shit, this will be exciting. And like, it was vicious. You forget that Ric Flair chops used to be vicious. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, there's not a whole lot to talk about on this one, hey? No, not real. I mean, not this match. No, um, the and dog. Then... The dog is dressed as a cowboy. Uh, that's that's really the thing we haven't <laughs> mentioned that needs to be mentioned. That's true. I, I yeah. Um, what, what's the dog's name? Pepe. Do they Pepe. 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 That's it. Pepe. <sighs> Pepe is dressed as a cowboy. Um, I like to think of myself as a really intelligent, um, well-read. Uh, person who enjoys, you know, sort of finer art and music. Um, but if you put a chihuahua uh, in a cowboy uniform, you are also going to get my money. Um, so <laughs> 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 when I see this, I'm just like, that's actually, one, it's hilarious that a big bad wrestler guy has like a little pet chihuahua. But two, look, he's wearing a little cowboy outfit. It's so cute. <laughs> Um, that's it. That's it for for this Nitro. We've got some sort of stories boiling, Lex Luger and Macho Man. Uh, Arn and Rick is still simmering away, the Giant and Hulk Hogan, and they're our sort of main main storylines. Hopefully Harlem Heat don't get buried. Fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll hear from them again. <laughs> All right, man, let's leave that there. All right, talk to you later. <laughs>